coming up on the Magnificently Huge podcast. Proto slacker 80s epic cult movie Tapeheads and a little bit of John Wick 3. In a little ditty we want to call Tapeheads Parabellum. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener. Welcome to another rousing episode of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Chris, and this week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to delve into another one of our favorite cult movies from the 1980s. This time around, 1988's Tapeheads, starring John Cusack and Tim Robbins. It's a proto-slacker epic that poked a lot of fun at MTV and music culture and, well, everything, really. It's got a plot that makes no sense. We'll get into that. It's uh, really is just there to be goofy and fun and a little bit satiric. Pokes some uh, holes in sacred cows and things of that nature, as cult movies do. And truth be told, this is one of the big favorites here at the program. Uh, magnificently huge. We all saw it early and often, and it made an impression for better or worse. Uh, so we're going to get into that. Uh, we also have seen John Wick 3, which has recently opened, and we have a little bit of fun with that as well. Basically, no spoilers, but uh, a lot of people die. Uh, so we put those two together, and we get Tapehead's Parabellum. So for those of you not paying attention or no Latin, that's uh, Tapehead's Prepare for War. Uh, so we're going to do that. Uh, if you like what you hear, by all means, send us an email to uh, gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, as always. You can also reach out to us on the Twitter feed, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're all over the place there. And then uh, head on over to our website, maghuge.com. We've got show links, etc. And then, you know, wherever podcasts are purveyed. So right now, you are listening to this, so you have found it. And uh, you are going to have some fun today because we're going to express our love for what should really be the biggest classic of them all, or at least one of them. Tapehead Sparabellum, coming up next. Enjoy the show. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening. All right. It's a miracle that we're even here today <laughs> given the recent fuck-ups technically speaking uh, it's a good thing we didn't record yesterday there was a big blackout here and uh so i would have been like completely incommunicado oh my god are you show. okay omg are you okay that's, uh, that's oh. the first thing i think anytime someone says that they don't have any power it's like, <laughs> it's like what is this 1915 eat shit my yeah, when we were in Paris and the terrorist attacks happened, my sister sent me te- a text like that, like, are you okay? And I, I, I wrote her back, no, we've both been shot to death. And uh, she writes me back, you're a dick. <laughs> yeah. Also, I can't respond because I don't have any power. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I am responding because I'm a dick. 
<laughs> Basically. Also, I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dead. I'm dead. So your best response would have been to just not respond, is what you're saying. Oh, that that, that might have been the worst response, I think. Yeah, that would have been probably the supreme dick move. Yeah. So he was just an asshole then. Not no, I know the supreme dick move would have been to go like get out of our um our our rented apartment, go downstairs to the alleyway and just shoot like a 10 second video of ah, 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 and shaking it around while running <laughs> that would have probably it's been good the worst. that you think about these things yeah. eric we're proud of you he, he pre-plans it so that he doesn't have to come up with it on the fly that's right the, that's his shtick preparation is 99 percent of the battle if you I'm really want to prepare, just improv. Just do improv that. Being horrible in any you know any vacation you take, just go find an alley and shoot that video. <laughs> yeah, really, just, you know, to have it at the ready. Yeah. Eric's got a whole treasure trove of Blair Witch style bullshit for every trip he's ever taken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you die, it's fun. We go on the cruise, figuring out how to do the uh, jumping off the boat video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. go first. Yeah. Um, when you die, it'll be basically your uh, your wake will just be like the found footage assemblage of every fake death. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. This is Chris, and obviously uh, that over there is the other guy. I- I'm Brian. And then... I'm Eric. Yes, you are. So welcome to the show. We appreciate your listening this far. Uh <laughs> We hope you're kind of shocked around. that you made it this far, but yeah. if you, stick if you, with it. Honestly, though, if you stopped listening, this isn't the show for you. And if they've stopped listening by now, then they don't even hear that. Yeah. So, if you stopped yeah. listening, send us a message and let us know you're not yeah. listening. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know me by now, oh, you God. will never, 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 <laughs> never know me. <laughs> well. So that's the first okay. test of an audience. If they stayed this far, <laughs> welcome to the next test where we separate the wheat from the chaff in a little segment we like to call the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit, it is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Did anybody do anything this week? That's the big question. Why, yes. Yes. We did things. We did things and stuff and whatever. Uh, listen to podcasts. Didn't you do that last and week? I got one. I've got one. Oh, well, that's mostly what I do okay. because I can do it while I work. Okay. Because I work. Work. And, uh, I like that you, I, like, no, when I, when you say work, I like to envision you doing air quotes. Work. No, no, I, 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 I pray for not, you know, not being so busy. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I'm not grown up now, but this is the podcast that Brian, I think you'd be really into. How did this get played? It's a uh, partner podcast on bad video games. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, nice. It, Have they done any of mine yet? <laughs> oh. No, they just started. But you wish. That would be, you should write them, and you should say, "Hey, uh, uh, you should you sh- you guys should do a show on Liar." There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian uh, dredging up his early <laughs> early video game designer days. That would be like the most. Horrible thing to su- sit through, I think. And you could tell them the uh, the quote that the uh, was it the guy told you a real dragon wouldn't act that way or some <laughs> crazy shit. Yeah, a real dragon wouldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was an actual argument being made when somebody didn't like magic in our fantasy world, and they're like, "But a real dragon wouldn't do that." I'm like, "It's a fire breathing dragon. It does whatever we goddamn say it does." Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jesus. Uh, and soon after, Brian was shown the door. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Well, what what games have they done so far? Oh, um, I don't have notes. Okay. I just, I've just been listening. <laughs> Obviously, they were memorable games. Yeah. Uh, that you couldn't recall. And they're on cracked. Uh, they're on the cracked podcast. The two who do it this week, okay. talking about illegal things that uh, people do with video games. And I didn't realize how much crime there was around robbing people of their in-game stuff. Like in real, t- like there was a kid in Denmark who got mugged and forced to go into his house and log in and drop items that he had in-game in World of Warcraft. Wait, wait, so they physically assaulted and mugged him in real life to go on the game and give them virtual shit? Yeah. What? uh, Wait, wait, was it? No, it was Danish. It was in Denmark. Yeah, I said Denmark. Um, Okay. Well, it is the home of... The courts ruled, though, that a theft... In game, in that country anyway, is the same as a theft in real life as a result of this. Well, yeah. I mean, what are they, like, putting a gun to his head? I mean, seriously. It was something like that. Good lord. But, yeah, crazy shit. Um, they, Have they done anything on EVE Online yet? Yeah, they did a whole thing on EVE. Yeah, um, EVE, is, EVE is crazy because it is like the libertarian ideal yeah. world, right? Like, EVE is this <laughs> multiplayer, massively multiplayer space pirate game. Where you can create, they create giant corporations and they pool their resources and they build these enormous like star destroyer capital ships. And then every now and then some group of like thousands and thousands of people decides they've had enough of these assholes and they just fuck them up. And it's beautiful. They they were talking about that on the Cracked show uh, that I guess they had a great big battle and it made the news that like $12,000 worth of in-game purchases had just like gone up in smoke because yeah. they all just wrecked each other, uh, which is nuts. But they were talking about apparently someone put out a hit on one of the heads of these corporations, these in-game corporations, and paid a real $5,000 to some people to like pretend to be this guy's friend and get in and become part of his corporation. And one of them makes it to the number two spot in this guy's corporation. And then they kill him in game and take his stuff. I'm like, that's yeah, that's crazy. At some point there is really no difference between (laughs) Real life and man, Eve Online is just a vision of the future, folks. It's how we're all gonna live, and it's gonna be terrible. (laughs) You're welcome. Looks like I quit, picked the wrong week to quit playing video games. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what else you got, Eric? Yeah, seriously. Uh, that's pretty much it. I've been working. Damn. All right, that's a quiet life you got there, sir. No, it's a busy life, dude. Okay, (laughs) it it sucks. Potato, potato. Okay. Would you say you're working in the coal line or you'd better work? That's what I want to know. Uh, I, I better work? Like, better you, work? <laughs> you better work! You better work. You better work. I, I'd say coal mines. I'd say coal mines. All right. But it's, Cause, cause but it's good work. I like the job. But goddamn, I'm busy. How can he afford his opulent lifestyle? His champagne wishes and caviar dreams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm Robert Leach. Thank you. 
<laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, speaking of champagne wishes and caviar, caviar dreams, dreams, yes, go. I saw a movie uh, with some people who have those. It's The Hustle, starring Anne Hathaway oh. and Rebel Wilson. Oh, the gender swab, uh, dirty rotten scoundrels thing, right? Yep. Oh god, yep. that looks uh. awful. Looks awful. It is. It's not awful. It's okay. it's funny. It's entertaining. It's just not as good as Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yeah. and it's enough of a direct copy of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It really just just go watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Seriously, I was kind of hoping it wasn't really a ripoff, and it was just marketed like, as such. Yeah, it just starts off similarly, but yeah. it's no, not a, no. Yeah. It is like what's weird is it's beat for beat. It's Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but the details are different. So, for example. There's a bit in the first movie where Steve Martin is pretending to be unable to walk, and uh-huh. and uh, Michael Caine is torturing him, like just beating the shit out of his legs with a <laughs> with a cane, and Steve Martin is not supposed to be able to feel it, so he has to yeah. endure that. Rebel Wilson's deal in this one is that she's blinded. And so the scene that mimics that is Anne Hathaway like blowing air into her eyeballs, and it's like that's just not anywhere near as hilarious as Michael Caine beating Steve Martin with a stick. Yeah. yeah. Um, or or could you? I couldn't imagine Rebel Wilson doing a uh, Ruprecht. That would be the other. There's thing, no Ruprecht. They, which is they don't do Ruprecht. Um, it's it's a different like character you wouldn't want around. Okay. Where <laughs> so- um, she's a sister that's supposed you know that. Okay. You know, she Anne Hathaway is trying to get uh, guys to propose to her and whatnot, and and of course the sister has to come along with her, and the sister like lives in a dungeon and is just uh, okay. obnoxious, and so she's not like, but it's beating, not Ruprecht. so she's not beating pans and going Oklahoma, 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 no. Oklahoma. Okay, no. So again, <laughs> okay. at every turn they kind of do what Dirty Rotten Scoundrels did, but not quite as good. Yeah. Well, interestingly, um, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is actually a remake of something from the early '60s called Bedtime yeah, Story, yeah, which has got I, I didn't think know it, that, but yeah, it had uh, David Niven and Marlon Brando and Shirley Jones. Oh wow! I've never seen it, but every time I see something on Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, that pops up, and it just intrigues me as to how close Dirty yeah. Rotten Scoundrels hewed to that one. So it's unnecessary remake number three part part of me makes me think you know what i'm just old in that i i say go watch the original but then i think of uh death at a funeral which was remade like what a two three years after the original came out yeah it's like no at some point you should just watch the original it's already been made yeah the the remake is uh not good honestly well, I mean, Fair it's point. like the cover song shows we do, right? Like sometimes one of the covers is superior to the to the original. Yeah. Um yeah. but this is one guessing of those this, times. Yeah, this is not one. I think okay. yeah, I think case, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels just... holds up. But we watched that a couple years ago around here and it it's still hilarious. There's yeah. nothing wrong with <laughs> the hustle except that Dirty Rotten Scoundrels exists. If Dirty yeah, Rotten yeah. Scoundrels didn't exist, the hustle would be great. If this yeah. were like an end game timeline, we'd be okay. Is my thing <laughs> right? Sure. We'd never know the difference. Okay. Uh, well, that's that's it. Except for some fresh shit, I I believe I share with Chris. Yes, uh, John Wick three opened this weekend of recording, and go see it. That's pretty much my booyah blurb. It's the most insane. I mean, I thought Mad Max Fury Road was a batshit crazy sequel, but my <laughs> lord, John Wick three up the ante, and I did not expect it to to succeed in that regard. No, 
John, John Wick 3 is just <laughs> it's, it's okay I made a list of all the different types of foo I could remember in John Wick 3 there's there's book foo but, yeah there's horse foo horse foo there's uh, motorcycle foo yeah there's he, dog foo he could literally there's, kill a person with any implement it's amazing some crazy ass knife foo yeah um and of course there is iron chef foo Mark uh, DeCoscos is in it, yeah. Yes. And I love that his character winds up being sort of like uh, the guy, the heavy from Commando. So it's like the the glib, uh, I'm a big fan of yours, but I'm sorry, I'm going to have to beat your ass uh, kind of thing. And then they have the big knockdown throw, throwout fight. And, ob- you know, obviously Keanu's going to win as John Wick, but it, the whole thing is yeah. just pretty funny. And then he's got this line at the end that just fucking killed me. It was amazing. Oh, yeah, I know the line, and yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but from start to finish, this thing is just so insane. And I've, I think I've said this before, but it... It literally is the best video game movie that is not based on a video game. It's like a first-person shooter from start to finish, and I want to play this game. I really do. It's amazing. Like like a week ago, that's actually one of the things I forgot to say about John Wick 2. A week ago, I had turned to my wife after we watched John Wick 2, preparing for this, and I'm like, I can't believe there is not a video game of this movie. And so I googled John Wick video game, and what it said... On my Google search results last weekend, John Wick video game announced three hours ago. <laughs> yeah, because they know. <laughs> I think they finally figured it out. But the whole structure is essentially uh, nothing but a, a first-person oh, shooter. And it's absolutely. to a T. And like when you get to the big climax at the end, and this is not giving any, anything away, Eric, because you'll you'll be on board from square yeah. one. But when they get into the big brawl and it's like the big siege and John Wick has to fight the the next army of people. Uh, yep. And they're they're somewhat impervious because they're anticipating a fight with John Wick. You're like, yeah, oh, bad this guys must- that are actually a threat to John Wick. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, this must be the big boss level because uh, the baddies are a little harder to kill. You know what I mean? Yeah. And <laughs> then there's the the mid bosses, and then they climb yeah. all the way up to the to the end boss. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is it is a video game, full yeah. full on. And uh, and good use of Halle Berry in a smallish role, but I think it was effective. Halle Berry the best way owns. To use- Best yeah. way to use Halle Berry is minimally. Yeah, uh, no, but she, she was actually ass. good, and they do a good uh, good callback to the first movie uh, yep. for a little bit of humor. It's good, and then uh, at some point, John Wick goes on a fucking vision quest in the Saharan desert. <laughs> uh, before That's he, in the trailer, it's not a yeah, spoiler, yeah. and it's like this movie's got everything. It's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, it's so, fun. Think Keanu Reeves and Halle Berry are both in their mid fifties, and they are yeah. just kicking so much ass all yeah. over the place. It's it's impressive, and the chore- the fight choreograph- choreography is just stellar. I mean, it's top notch. It and I'm really looking is. At, and I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, I could I could watch like thirty more of these, and I wouldn't care. And they're smart enough well, to <laughs> call them chapters in the titles. Yeah. So basically. The timeline, if you look at John Wick one to this one, I mean, it literally is a two week time frame yeah and they actually yeah. say that in john <laughs> yeah. wick three and so it's when you've been two weeks yeah and so when you think back on john wick one two and now three it's like holy shit so in the span of two weeks he's killed like a thousand people it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> it's like this guy never stopped so it's it's a ball of fun and uh i yeah. shouldn't have enjoyed it so much but i think my favorite part about the character of john wick is finally finally you have an action hero who understands the value of a good headshot just nobody else yeah. can can claim that. I mean, not even Thor could get that one. 
in Infinity War, and it haunted him. And in this one, it's like headshot, headshot, headshot. It's amazing. Uh, um, so a couple couple things about it. Um, one, I guess, in order to handle the dogs that Halle Berry has with her, she actually became a dog trainer. And so those dogs were were trained by her in order for really? them to to fall. Yeah, that was like huh. part of the training for this. These guys are committed. Yeah, no to shit. like, I mean the the end action sequence is like okay, we've been doing all these insane practical action sequences. And now we're gonna set one in like the hardest impossible environment to shoot in. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's yeah, it was it was impressive, and it's I love the showing fact off. That, at yeah, this the point. fact they. They they keep upping the ante too. It's like the first one was a very compact sort of standard uh, revenge tale kind of thing. Uh, it was very well done, but I didn't expect that it would be a, this. And then the second one, they they expand out a little bit and create the mythology. And by this oh, one, it's like they've just gone full tilt. There's and so much in. lore. In this <laughs> it's movie. amazing. It is so amazing. <laughs> and I just want to keep seeing more and more of these things because it's like if Marvel can do it, let, let's see what happens with this thing. You know what I mean? Well, good for you because while it has a satisfying ending, it also is giant sequel bait. Oh like, yeah, they could stop here, but they're they don't have to at all. Yeah, and they almost certainly won't. Yeah. And I think my and the, I love the fact that they're incorporating the catch lines now. So we've got three that I can think of right now. The first is when everybody talks about uh, all this for a puppy, and he has to keep insisting yeah. it wasn't just a puppy. It's like nobody gets this. It's like it's my whole life has been ruined. Uh, and then when he's fucking somebody up, and he tells him at the end after he's like left a knife in their heart or whatever, it's like I'll be seeing you. It's like it's yeah. like it's a it's a very good. Uh, send off, but also a very courteous fuck you. It's like, I'll be seeing you, like knowing full well, I'm never going to see this person again. So that's fun. Uh, and then just that hangdog Keanu Reeves delivery of the word, yeah. <laughs> Every single movie. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I should not have liked it as much as I did. And I was exhausted when I left the theater, but yes. I, I was giddy. I'm like, I shouldn't, shouldn't enjoy this orgy of violence so much, but I did. It's so tense the whole time, and other than that Sahara scene, it's relentless. I saw it, so a couple, couple of things. I saw it in the, the Cine 1, which has the Dolby Atmos sound. Yeah. And so by the end of it, I just feel like my, I don't know if it was just because my heart was pounding or because the sound has just been beating me with the bass of all of these gunshots. <laughs> Probably. But like, I feel it in my chest. Yeah. The other thing is, this is the first John Wick movie I've seen in a theater with an audience. Yeah. And I... I I think the last time I saw a big action movie like that in a theater with an audience was The Raid, which, by the way, some of the guys from The Raid are in this. Um, oh, that's true. But, I thought I recognized some of them. But it's uh, when the audience is going, oh, oh, you know, as a group. Yeah. That's that's a uh, an experience I haven't had in a long time, so I think that that explains yeah. some of what I've been missing in action cinema. So, yeah, <laughs> good times. Yeah. Eric, you, you'll love it. You, you so need- I got to go see it in a theater, really. Yeah, I, ideally. I think you should. Yeah. Ideally, yeah. Because uh, no. when you stand up and go, yeah, fuck you, everybody else will cheer you on. <laughs> yeah. you know. uh, and it is literally the most bone-crunching action movie you'll probably see Go all on. year <laughs> by a mile. It's amazing. <laughs> so Right on. We know your predilections for violence in movies, and this one will definitely fit that bill. Yay. Yeah. I will see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything else chris no other than that i got nothing that was my uh my one shot this week and uh, all right I fresh, goes better. fresh goes better fresh. Oh, oh, 
so are we finally doing this yeah we we are uh tape heads tape heads from 1988 john cusack tim robbins uh <laughs> it tanked miserably at the time of its release i know you weren't with us eric but uh brian and i saw it with a couple of our other friends from the day on opening night yeah and we yeah, were I saw li- it much later on tape yeah we were literally the only four people in the entire theater. <laughs> I mean, it was the, we were like, oh, this is, this is not going to be fun. Was but it, it a wide release film or was it like an independent kind of, you know, it, it was, it was a wide a release. Uh, and I think NBC productions was on board as the producer. Uh, but at some point before its release, Cusack and Robbins just refused to go on any sort of promotional touring for it. <laughs> and the thing just and the thing just died on the vine, and so it just kind of came and went. Uh, and uh. I think it hit perfectly for me because well, we were about seventeen, I guess. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. And so that was the perfect time for me to see it initially, uh, and I just sort of absorbed it because it just it's so dumb, so goofy, so anarchic, uh, skewers a lot of things. Uh, and just has no predilection about being anything other than a dumb comedy. And that's what I appreciated about it. Uh, <laughs> but it tanked miserably. Miserably. Yeah, it made like $300,000. Yeah. I think, I think it, is, it has since sort of developed this cult status now as younger audiences find it. Uh, yeah. And they can kind of separate it from the prism of 1988. Uh and kind of see it as sort of a weird, I don't know, like I don't, nostalgic I, I thing. Watching it again, I realize this is a like, excuse me, it's like a a Gen X movie to the core. Oh yeah, like to Definitely. me from from a don't give a fuck level to a um you know keep trying and banging your head against the wall pseudo optimism. Yeah. Uh, like it's all there. All of the, I, maybe it was just us and our our and little cadre. Maybe. But this this movie sort of sums up the ethos of that point in time for our our early twenties. I think. Yeah, and I think it also uses surrealism to show that you know the the normal world is really you know bullshit. Yeah the the uh, uh, the drunk test. Got to perform a sobriety test. Now I recite the alphabet backwards. Skipping all the vowels and give me the sign language for each letter as you pass by. Z Y X W V T S R Q P N M L K J H G F D e C B. You pass. I get those BS faces. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. The elevator. Oh, oh fuck, fuck it, it. Fuck it. Um, yeah. Well, be- before I, the idea of Devo doing a Swedish cover of My Baby Doll. Yeah. <laughs> Because they didn't want to be in the movie, but hell, we'll record a Swedish version of our song for you. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Pretty boy lip syncing it. That's funny. Uh, Yeah, it was just weird. And not just for weirdness's sake, it was weird as almost a statement against normal. Yeah. Well, to set the I think that's why it couldn't do well. (laughs) Well, to set the stage for those listening who have no idea what the hell Tapeheads is, uh, first off, shame on you. Uh, secondly, it's uh, on Hulu and Amazon. Go yeah, watch it. It's out there, and it's 
it's sort of the la- late stages of Cusack's early career. Uh, it hit at a weird time. It's like 1988. Before Say Anything. Yeah, it was like pre-Say Anything, but Cusack is coming off of Better Off Dead and stuff like that. And then Tim Robbins was coming off of, he was in Top Gun, he was in Howard the Duck, uh, and they had met right on... Hudsucker. Yeah, and they had met on The Sure Thing. And so that's how they were, knew each other and were friends. And, yeah, that's right. And so they and so when Cusack was looking for a goofy movie, he he glommed onto this to kind of get out of his teen image, and then said, "Well, my buddy Tim Robbins is going to play in it too." And then they set it up. So it was. So this is the beginning of John Cusack trying to play characters that you don't like. Yeah. Right. Like he would go <laughs> on to do the Grifters and Gross Point Blank and a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah, and this is right yeah. before Eight Men Out. Uh, and for for Robbins, this was also the same year that Bull Durham came out, and so neither of them were well known. I don't think they were known, but they weren't big names, and so it kind of has that distinction. Uh, produced yeah, I don't by think Tim Robbins, really became a thing until Bull Durham. Yeah, and well, and that was the same year. I think this one actually came out after Bull Durham, so it was probably capitalizing somewhat on that, but not enough. I thought Bull obviously. Durham was eighty nine. No, I came out. Eh, it could be. Okay, because I thought it was like I'm Bull pretty... Durham and then Jacob's Ladder for him. Could be. I, I might be misremembering. Uh, I don't know. But did you know? And like later in like '92, Robbins would do Bob Roberts, the fake documentary about the ultra conservative douchebag senator who was also like a Dylan esque folk singer. And in yeah. the tapehead soundtrack, apparently there's a song done by Bob Roberts. So he'd been working on that character for a while, <laughs> which was shocking. Uh, but it's produced by Mike Sneth- Nesmith, former monkey, uh, who had a hand in Repo Man, uh, if memory serves. And then the director writer is Bill Fishman, who did a bunch of music videos. And so I think this felt like Bill Fishman's FU to MTV and that mm-hmm. culture. Uh, but it's about two slacker types who don't know what to do with their lives. They get manage to get fired from their security guard jobs uh, and then just on a whim form this production company for videos, not having any clue how the business works. And then through a series of random events filming other jobs, they like come across a a, a tape of a a congressman in a, a very delicate situation with a Getting hooker. Getting spanked by Courtney Love. Getting <laughs> spanked by Courtney Love, which will do it. And then they end up <laughs> being on the run. And then meanwhile, their big deal is to bring back this old soul 60s duo called the Swanky Modes. The swanky Modes. <laughs> to plug them into a Menudo show that's going live telecast around the world. And then shenanigans ensue. The plot makes no sense. I'll, I'll be honest. It just It's there as window dressing to do all of the stupid crap that they do in this movie. Uh, but if you need a plot, that's pretty much it. It's They fall into the wrong place at the wrong time and then get pursued by hitmen. And then eventually the Swanky Modes get their stage debut uh, and all is well. Pretty is much. That, is that succinct enough? Uh, yeah, it's so unimportant. It's really just about <laughs> yeah, the you basically. Uh, really, for me, the whole thing is about the the quotable dialogue because it's just got. Boy, some, is it quotable? Just fucking oddball mm. zingers. I oh, mean, one he, day I'm going to make him eat that syllable. Yeah, I'm going to make him That's eat my that syllable. Line. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Dad. Video is the future. We can't lose. Ha! Make him eat that syllable. And it's a uh, Lyle Alzado as John Cusack's dad. 
and then Mary Crosby is like a record exec type PR person, and both of them were in Ice Pirates, which we just talked about. Uh, no, Lyle Alzado wasn't in Ice Pirates. I thought he was. No, it was a different football player. Oh, damn it. Well then, never mind. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. setting me straight on that one. <laughs> Sorry. Eric. If instant failure, fear, fear false evidence false appearing, false appearing real. Appearing yeah. Real. Yeah. yeah. About this. But to be real, so Cusack plays a very unsavory uh, asshole, basically. He's got this gross pencil-thin mustache. His hair's all slicked back. Uh, plays a character named Ivan Alexiev. And he basically is just a parasite uh, f- on his friend. Uh, who has all the creative talent. And so he thinks he can milk that somehow. Uh, but he says shit like, Josh is a visual visionary, communicates in images, not antiquated verbosity. It's like, what the hell does that even mean, man? <laughs> so that's kind of early on, you kind of get where he's coming from. Uh, but Actually, my favorite line from his sleazebagness was uh, when somebody asked him about somebody he has no idea who he's talking about. And he said, you know, have you seen whoever she is? He's, and he says, I don't know, but don't she know. asked me to ask you for that 10 bucks you owe her. She asked me to ask you for that 10 bucks you owe her. Yeah, and the guy, oh, yeah. The guy starts <laughs> looking at his wallet, and, he go, and then he stops for a second, and he goes, 20. 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I think that was uh, Jello Biafra, actually. FBI man number one, if memory serves. Oh, yeah? So, it's just this uh, series of shenanigans but for me, the whole thing just boils down to just the left of center dialogue that just shows up. Like when they show up late for work to the security gig at the beginning and the uptight boss uh, is there, like asking why they're late. And Ivan's like, um, anybody else would say Pablo Casals, perhaps the greatest cellist in the world with possible exception of Yo-Yo Moss, <laughs> from a fiery car wreck on Sunset Boulevard would be bragging about it, but not Josh. He didn't want to spoil the 11 o'clock news for you. And so it's like, what the hell? And the guy's looking at him, but then they throw in zingers like the guy looking for a second and just go, don't bullshit me. I'm a big cello fan. Casal died years ago. <laughs> he died years ago. <laughs> Wasn't that guy the, the chief on Police Academy right. movies? No. That that's a different guy. Or, or really? He looks, he he looks very much like him. No, the guy okay. that played the chief on Police Academy was, uh, I think he was Rizzo on the MASH TV show. Sergeant Rizzo. Or something. That that is the guy from Police Academy. Yeah, but the guy the in guy this one Rizzo is. But the, the guy, guy in, from Police Academy. But the guy in this one is not that. It's a ah, different okay. dude. Boy, I thought for sure he was the guy from Police Academy. Oh well, <laughs> no. what do I know? Uh, well, let's talk about the the cameos though, shall we? Because that's also a big part of this thing. So Nesmith yeah. shows up briefly as the Waterman that John Cusack is trying to talk into buying his friend's services because he thinks he's an executive at some company. Uh, and then you've got uh, Connie Stevens as Tim Robbins' mom. And then, uh, oh, what's his name? Who plays his dad? It's the Doug McClure plays his dad. Uh, then you've got Lyle Alzado as Ivan's dad. Then you've got uh, Weird Al showing up briefly. You've got Ted Nugent showing up briefly. Um, you've got Cy Richardson from Repo Man, who played Light, shows up as the bartender. Uh, you've got Fishbone. Fishbone. Playing sort of themselves. They're, they're a band called Ranchbone in this one. Uh, so they do a lot of country-inflected ska. Uh, and they did some of the got, music for the movie too. <laughs> yeah, the incidental stuff. Uh, um, who else? Lords is in of the this New thing? Church. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, Stim Baders and Lords of the New Church show up. Uh, Ted Nugent. Yeah, yeah Ted Nugent. Nugent. Uh, let's see. We said Courtney Love. Xander Berkeley yeah. shows up briefly, uh, who's a character dude. Basically, uh, what we're saying is this is a very Los Angeles in the 1980s movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that, and I've heard people complain. They're like, it just seems like it's trying too hard to be a cult movie. It's like, well, no shit. That's its whole point. It's like, yeah. it's basically thumbing its nose at the whole idea of a cult movie by being a cult movie. It's a very incestuous thing. Uh, but until you can wrap your head around that, uh, then, yeah, go on with your day because you're not going to get it. Also it also kind of predates the. The cult. I mean, the cult movies happened accidentally. This is probably maybe one of the first ones that's actually trying to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what turns some people off. That they're like, well, they they just do it because they can. Blah blah blah. What, you yeah, know what the fuck does that mean? Because uh, you look at a movie like Repo Man, and that just sort of became a cult. But I feel like Repo Man was also under the same sort of auspices. It's like it's just this weird. Yeah. I, I mean. As people who aspired to be magnificently huge pictures and just fuck around with movie cameras, like, I totally get where they're coming from. It was like, hey, we managed to get enough contacts and equipment to do whatever, so we're just going to go make a movie. <laughs> yeah, really. And so they came up with, I mean, there's sequences that come out of nowhere and don't go anywhere. Like, there's a whole sequence where where the, the two female leads are facing off and suddenly they've got nunchucks and stuff and they're the two ninja bitches. Yeah, um, and they're having a fight. Why? Yeah, for no reason. And then, like, when they decide that they're going to make their first uh, outing as a company, uh, Video Aces, they call themselves, because they're watching a commercial on TV for Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, and it's like a oh, huge car shit. salesman. Drumstick economy dinner. I feel as a performance, he's evocative without being too expensive. Linda, that's crap. And then it cuts to this really snazzy, uh, ridiculous uh, video like a white dude, old white guy rapping about chicken Pretty and sure waffles. Pretty sure I could do the rap from memory right yeah. now. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> friends, check this out. the name and they call me the king. Grandmaster of the chicken and the waffle thing. I sit and I read my lips and friends don't miss a word. Cause the grandmaster's gonna give you the I think that's the commercial they made for them, right? That's not... Yeah, that's the one, but it cuts to them uh, in the commercial that Roscoe's doing that they did, uh, which is like this heavy uh, backbeat rap thing. I mean, I was like, waffles just pancakes with little squails on them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, okay, so 1988, I'm an idiot, and... First of all, I just thought it was a joke, and I'm like, ew, who would combine chicken and waffles, having obviously never done so, and finding out how awesome it is. Yeah, white suburban kid, yeah. But more so, Chris goes off to USC a couple years later, and we go downtown, and goddamn, if Roscoe's Chicken Waffles isn't an actual place (laughs) that they were promoting in this movie. Yeah, I moved moved back there like a year later, and I'm like, mine just blew it's like what this is a real thing <laughs> fuck off yeah uh, uh, i was so young and dumb yeah now i'm old and dumb yeah well, i like the the way that they've set this up with josh and ivan uh the main characters it, to me it's looking back through the prism of time they're sort of proto slackers you didn't really get characters like this in sort of youth-oriented movies uh of the yeah. day 
Uh, I mean, you had like the teen comedies and stuff, but you didn't have like early 20 somethings that are just like, yeah, whatever. I'll just fuck around until I don't. I mean, it's that's kind of the vibe. So that was a couple of years before Gen X sort of cemented itself. And then, yeah, you're right. It's sort of a uh, we're going to work really hard at our hustle that everyone thinks is stupid. Yeah, that's that's a very Gen Xy kind of thing. Yeah, and that and was that was the I actually made the note about that. So there was a scene where they're like on the rooftop or whatever, and Tim Robbins is is having a a crisis of confidence in the whole thing, and he has this little speech where he's just like. You know, what if it never works out? What, you know, why are we doing this shit? We're just supposed to be, you know, doing shitty jobs for free to, to get our big break. But what if that never happens? And then, like, the next scene is the scene with the Blender children singing Mr. MX7, which is a very Gen X uh, song, which is just sort of like, fuck it. Yeah, sure. Drop the bomb. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have any control. So we're just going to be over here going, you yeah. know, I'm like, this is a very Gen X movie in the middle of it. Yeah, and it, it was, and that's what struck me watching it recently. It's like the, they're they're sort of proto slackers because this is a couple years before Linklater did the movie Slackers and sort of codified that whole uh, image. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say, unlike you know that or Reality Bites or any of those movies that were trying to be a Gen mm-hmm. X film. Yeah, this sort of just just sort of smelled the zeitgeist coming. And, yeah, you know it, it it wasn't it wasn't trying to fit in it was it was saying this is what this is what's in the air this is what's coming yeah and i think that's where a lot of people that com- complain about it being sort of deliberately culty uh miss the point it's like no this is basically smelling the trend mtv's been on the air for about seven years by this time and you could already sort of smell the rot from within yeah. uh and then sure enough like you know four or five years later they're doing all of the road rules and real world and all that stuff and cease to become MTV as we knew it. Uh, and they poke a lot of fun at that. I mean, it's, you know, they're sitting in the bar after losing their jobs as security yeah, Martha guards. Martha Quinn cameos. <laughs> yeah, Martha Quinn cameo. Uh, and it's a network called RVTV, which I guess stands for Rock <laughs> right. Video TV. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's all the flashy graphics and stuff. And then they're showing, like, this just ridiculous set of images to this ridiculous song that's just superfluous uh and that's you know when the light bulb goes off for ivan and says you know we can do this he's like (laughs) you know talking about that and then tim robbins just like stupid and name vapid Mm -hmm. mind rot stench Stench pablum vapid mind rot stench pablum that's all right. <laughs> and then uh, John Cusick's just like, yeah, it's, it's all right. I mean, that's pretty much it, you know? And that pretty much, I think, is a, a very good descriptor of that time. It's like you're sort of in that middle ground. Like, yeah, it sucks, but it's really all we got. So, shit, what are we going to do? No wonder we're all so fucked up. <laughs> but, yeah. Sort of uh, like this movie. Senseless, vapid, my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, it's just so dumb. Yeah, it's a it's statement. It's yeah. <laughs> this wasn't an accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh 
Oh, I forgot that uh, Jessica Walter was also in it as the, the senator's wife. Uh, very briefly, I had to do a, a like a double take. I'm like, holy shit, that's Mrs. Bluth. Uh, so it's a very weird peppering of stuff. Uh, oh. but, but then through the, like the third act, it really just becomes all about them trying to do a one-off to get the swanky modes on stage instead of Menudo, uh, for the world concert tour. And it's, uh, Oh, who's it? Sam Cook and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they're actually Sam and Dave. Is yeah, the name of the real band. Oh, it is Sam and Dave. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, their whole thing is like, who'd hire him? Look at him. He's ugly. <laughs> it's like they've just <laughs> sort of accepted their fate as the brothers Diamond. They're, they're trying to talk about the swanky modes of the chick from RVTV. She's like, I'm 17. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like me at work. <laughs> honestly, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do the show at Tapeheads, and my cohort is like. I don't know what that is. Oh, Jesus Christ, just kill me. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, but then I wonder who's going to listen to this show. People who like the movie and were searching for it anyway, or people who, I don't know, were doing VCR repair. I mean, I, 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 I think people who... Who are listening to this know what the movie is. Yeah. People who are listening to the show got picked up by the John Wick Parabellum hashtag. There you the go. <laughs> yeah. And we just John we just John wicked your pop culture ass, bitch. Uh yeah. Um <laughs> But you know, looking back, I mean we did that show recently with Shakes the Clown, which is another sort of uh movie yeah. of that. Why ilk did people where, listen to that one while we're yeah. at it? <laughs> uh and barely anybody's tagged into that one meanwhile the avengers endgame show is still <laughs> got legs of its own it's like yeah. really uh come for the flash stay for the sizzle you know what i mean uh but yeah i can't i can't overstress how much of a influence tapeheads was on me at that time uh like heading into uh my first attempt at college and the whole thing i mean it just was a part of me I would literally quote it almost every day. I felt like, uh, yeah. much to many people's chagrin, but I just it just became absorbed into my sort of uh, DNA of what I was trying to be about as I was emerging from teendom into young adulthood. Uh, probably not for the best, <laughs> but that that's just the way it rolled. So, if it wasn't for tape heads, you'd be a family man, probably. Oh. I would say, yeah, I would totally hang that around their heads. Thank you. I'd say Tape Heads is, is definitely a very punk rock film. It uh, really yeah. is. Uh, the, in that it doesn't lay down for normal. It doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't say, and the moral of the story is get a real job. You know, it's, yeah. the, the whole system is fucked and don't play along. Yeah. That's, that's one of those few movies that got that right. I think yeah. the only, well, the only thing it, it does have is though a pretty consistent message of just, you know, just keep doing your thing. Keep trying eventually the rest of the world to catch up with you. Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's, it, it's optimistic. Yeah. It ends on that. Yeah. I mean, even the last song is basically, that's all they have to say in that song. Yeah. Any ordinary man would have given it up by now. That's true. <laughs> well, and to be fair, by the end when they do the the final follow up credit blurbs, uh, both Josh and Ivan have gone to jail, so they kind of pull a pseudo Blues Brothers ending, uh, but it it fits. Uh, oh, that reminds me of one of my favorite visual jokes in the whole movie. By the way, is early in the movie when they're driving to work in 
John Cusack's beat up VW thing. And there's a parking ticket stuck in the windshield under the wiper. <laughs> and then by the middle end of the movie, uh, it's now like about 15 tickets and they've not been removed. And so through the course of the film, they're just more and more piling up on that fucking windshield wiper. And it kill- it's sort of like the, the air freshener in Repo Man. It's just this weird little detail they just throw at you. And, and unless you're actually looking, you don't see it. But I think that's sort of the care that went into it that nobody really appreciates. Josh Tager and Ivan Alexiev were acquitted in Los Angeles Superior Court of all criminal charges. However, due to outstanding traffic warrants, Josh and Ivan are now doing time at a minimum security complex in Malibu Colony, California. So any final thoughts on this? Well, we didn't talk about uh, Don Cornelius. Oh, shit, as, you're right. As Mo Fuzz. Mo Fuzz, president and head of Fuzzball Records, who basically just <laughs> wants them to do all of this shit, what they call on spec. <laughs> so he's just yeah. leading them on yeah. and making them do all this junk. Am I crying? No. no. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if I was. I was moved. I can't do anything with this. Why not? I need production value. Well, what kind of production value did you have in mind for no money? There's only one thing that adds real production value. What's that? Tits. And, and, ass. Ass. <laughs> and then their and then their next video is just a Georgia satellite song and it's just nothing but shots of breasts and asses. <laughs> I mean it's just and then and then and then they show the video and then they cut to Don Cornelius' Mo Fuzz. Am I crying? <laughs> <laughs> you have to feel like Don Cornelius really relished just taking the piss out of a bunch of people who'd fucked him over over the oh, years yeah, definitely. doing this role. <laughs> and that's the thing. There's just a lot going on under the surface of this thing that yeah. until you watch it a few times and sort of get the gist, it just is like a bonbon. But then you start looking at it, and like Eric said, it just becomes very punk rock. And uh, yeah. and yeah, so it's deliberately subversive, but it's still spot on. I mean, it just it nails everything. And it's one of the first movies that I can think that came down the pike that really skewered that whole uh industry of of music at that time because it started to be less about hey is the music good and more about hey is the video good uh yeah. you could really sense that sort of sea change uh, and it's not always for the best they, okay don cornelius getting his revenge um <laughs> their their favorite band is uh sam and dave yeah and the whole thing with uh Waffles and fried chicken, which is soul food. Yeah. There's a theme. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's, you're too goddamn white. That's basically. Am I crazy? Yeah. No, that's, that, that's a good take on it. Uh, I mean, maybe at its heart, it's about two suburban white bread kids to sort of uh, coalesce around the it's a celebration culture? of cultural appropriation, is what <laughs> yeah, we're basically. saying. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great way of putting it. Yeah, but I do like that their their big break is when the Blender Children video shoot goes horribly awry, and so they've got all of this footage, and then uh, it turns out that the band dies when a satellite crashes on them during a performance at the Greek theater. 
And then that's another one of my favorite jokes is when they cut to the news crews covering the event and they keep saying the line, tragedy struck the Greek theater today. It's like, <laughs> oh, they can't even come up with anything original and they keep repeating it. It's like, oh, Jesus, that's funny. Uh, but then they get suckered into this thing where because they were the last people to film a video for the Blender Children, it's like, hey, we want this uh, for that song, Mr. MX-7. But they dub the music for the song over this funeral footage that they had that nobody paid them for. And then all of a sudden, all of the the critiques start rolling in about how it's a, a statement on the death of blah, 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 blah. And basically, it's just a fuck up because somebody hit the wrong button. Yeah. So it's the song over a funeral. But the shovel is shoveling in time to the music, <laughs> yeah. so you don't yeah. notice. <laughs> yeah, and he's like playing air guitar on the on the shovel just at the moment when the solo hits and the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just this stupid accident. And to me, I lo- I watch it. I'm like, you know what? That's probably about how ninety percent of these videos get made. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, let's not yeah. be let's not be coy about it. And so it's just this whole thing is just a yeah. giant middle finger to everything. I read it Maybe as a real would- video. You know, this was also kind of. Around the same time as slightly ahead of uh, Fear of a Black Hat and CB4, right? Like right. More, more movies that are going to come along and really skewer the modern music thing. I yeah. was actually thinking that whole funeral video really made me think of November Rain. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, God, it did. Oh, that's an amazing... Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch that one now. Or pretty much Jesus. everything that was on 120 minutes at the time. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it, it just the whole movie just from start to finish is just a giant F you to everything. I mean it's it literally is just Gen X uh to a T. And I'm shocked that it didn't sort of get more legs. Uh but I feel like nowadays people are discovering it just because it's out there and the context is sort of removed somewhat. Uh yeah. so you can kind of see it for uh what it is rather than as a product of the time that it's stuck in. If that makes sense, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I literally watched a couple of days ago again, and it still makes me laugh. And that to me is impressive because uh, I just I've seen shit too many times to laugh uh, for the most part, and this one still does it. Bravo! <laughs> I'm gonna make him eat that syllable. All right, we are running out of steam here. <laughs> uh, any last okay, thoughts get on naked tape and- woman? Woo! <laughs> uh, oh yeah, when the when the, gr- <laughs> the girls are coming out. Oh, that's a classic. It's like, what the hell did I just hear? Oh, Dick, yeah, don't this, be such a cunt. Yeah. So this, this, this movie definitely has that sort of eighties misogyny thing going yeah. on. Right? Oh, for I thought for we sure. had a professional relationship, so I'll pay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking I, uh, uh, he's an artist. He's hands on. You know what I do? I use my selling techniques to give my artist friend the personal freedom he needs. Freedom, choices, possibilities. That's what I'm about. Boring administrative stuff. You know what I mean? Can you get me a drink? <laughs> sure. Uh, Eminently quotable. So, any last thoughts on El Tapo Hedos? I'm about done. You should see it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it came in number 209 out of 254 movies for the year. Uh, so it wow. did get beat, get, get, get beat out by Rain Man. movies did worse. Uh, Blue Iguana was one of those movies that did worse, by the way. 
<laughs> which is another one of my favorites from the era. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Rain Man sadly uh, beat the shit out of it. So thank you. That weird period where they couldn't figure out what was commercial and what's funny is what was commercial would be completely forgotten. Yeah. I was, I, I always have this conversation with my wife about eighties music that it, it galls me. It galls us that when people talk about yes, eighties music, they always bring up the Smiths or yeah. None <laughs> of you, you know, fuckers what? were listening Ministry. to the Smiths. Mm-hmm. Ah. Shit that was actually cool to us, but no, everyone magically forgets Jody Watley or Phil Collins. It's like, that's the shit you had in your tape player. You big goddamn liars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, if people hate this show, they can send us an email to magnususegmail.com. Is that the address? Yep. That is the address. Uh, We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can reach us there. Uh, Like the pages. Share them around. We would love that. And then uh, we're also on maghuge.com. And then, if, you, uh, if you've listened to this, also really go go on iTunes and give us five stars. Yeah. Don't don't go on iTunes and be a dick and give us like <laughs> you know two stars. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. And don't then even share write a review. Around. Just click the stars and helps out. Yeah, That's or all. just say I really like that tape heads episode they did. It was genius. And then we'll know you're if lying. Our, yeah, <laughs> if if our ratings get better, we'll 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 work really hard to make the show better. You yeah. know. But right like now, the, the, which came okay. first, the chicken or the egg? The egg came first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lastly, uh, we're on, well, you're listening, so you know where to find podcasts. So just go there and listen to more and uh, share it, like it, and uh, send us your hate. Mail.